This is Verse Curious, the podcast of New Poetry Reviews. I'm Benjamin Landry. I'd like to take a moment before this episode to ask a favor. If you appreciate the work of Verse Curious and bringing you news of exceptional poetry, please take a second to scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and leave a five-star rating. Doing so will help others discover Verse Curious for themselves, and will also help more readers discover these excellent collections of poetry. Thanks so much. And now on to the episode. Taken down from the bookshelf today is Desire Museum by Danielle Kadina Doolin, published by Boa Editions in October 2023. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? In Blake's poem, the tiger is a manifestation of a ferocious and ultimately unknowable god, a god of such indomitable will that it might force us to imagine rhyming I in symmetry, for instance. It serves as a sort of mission statement for Blake's spiritual worldview. It's interesting, then, that the second poem in Danielle Kadina Doolin's affecting new collection, Desire Museum, also centers on the tiger. It's there in our dimly lit hall, standing between myself and my small son, or so he says, petting the air, begins self-doubt with invisible tiger. A tiger brought to life by her son's imagination in a moment of delicious fear at approaching nightfall serves as an objective correlative, revivifying Doolin's own tiger. The tiger is sleepy, my son says, closing his eyes. I brood on what to feed it in lieu of my own legs or the legs of my children. Is it friendly? I ask. My son shakes his head. It's in a bad mood. It's probably peevish from feeling unreal, inspiring no panic, no awe. I used to walk through cities with thighs so taut men would bless me as I went, the thin layer of oil on my cheek seen as a pretty sheen. Even then, what they wanted most was my silence. And later, the meat is gone, the tiger stirs, purrs as it gnaws on memory's stripped bone. What is it that stretches a razored paw out of the speaker's history? Nothing less than the general aggressiveness of men. The wolf whistles, the cat calls, the promise of violence dressed up as admiration. And, of course, the speaker admits that they have been half enamored of the paradigm. They might themselves even have been the tiger. The seeming power of it all, embodied in the former taut thigh, that with age and weariness has reduced to a stripped bone. The kicker is that the son will ostensibly grow up to be a man, and the speaker must hope that for the son the tiger remains a friendly talisman, rather than a manifestation of inherent rapaciousness. Many of Doolin's poems continue to develop these themes of innocence and corruption. The children in her work rewild poems from adult vantages with an infusion of imagination. Recollected childhood is the refuge even of the many failed adult romantic relationships with both men and women chronicled in Desire Museum, as in the poem Reversal. Don't come back to me, love, with your kiss full of regret. Return to the home you built of twine and fallen branches, to the girls playing hopscotch near the neighbor's brambles. Recall the feel of sap, the rules of hide-and-seek, the bitter milk of dandelion dared to the tongue. The bitterness of the dandelion is to be savored and is only the foretaste of adult disappointment. Behind it all lurks Doolin's own childhood self, 
existentially threatened by an alcohol and drug abusing father, and one gathers that Doolin must have escaped often to field and woods. The adult speaker of most of these poems is bedeviled by love. The six-parted Vanished Cities elaborates the lost cities of the self-theme of Elizabeth Bishop's One Art. The set is ambitious, but because each poem in the series chronicles an actual destroyed city with real casualties, Chernobyl for instance, the poems march rather close to aestheticizing actual human suffering. One of the poems in the set that avoids this ethical baggage is the second section, Never Sink in Bittersweet New York, 1953, which takes its title and inspiration from two towns flooded to build a reservoir for drinking water for New York City, and in which certainly property and livelihoods, but no lives, were lost. The inhabitants were forcibly displaced, and it is this powerlessness at the hands of a larger fate that animates the failed relationship chronicled in the poem. Our mouths fill like reservoirs with silence, and later, we stay because we must. Who else would tend to the currents in the kitchen? Who else would watch the wallpaper disintegrating into tiny flakes the fish swim in to eat? Doolin evocatively captures universal feeling, for who hasn't at one time or another felt like a ghost tending the wreck of a relationship swallowed by time? Doolin has a knack and an ear for this particular state, and it inspires some of her best lines, as in the poem remixed with a few lines from Lorca, in which she writes, You are salted, I am narrowed. You are nowhere, I am nowhere with you. Similarly evocative is Lost Sapphics, in which Doolin recounts, I go home to my hallways, your scent strong on my hands. Think of your eyes, the waters between lost isles, those leaves like heavy green copper bells, latent with ringing. The lush evocation of scent, color, and texture contribute to the feeling that this speaker walks backward into every room. The poems are saturated in a pleasurable way with bitter sweetness, the ache that sensory experience cannot be fully processed in the moment, but rather only from the vantage of recollection and in the safety of elapsed time. In the poem Postscript, a speaker musing over a lover claims, you've erased everything written before you, but this registers as brave face-making. The palimpsest of prior experience cannot be fully erased, written as it is in our psyches. Even when the ink is gone, there is always the inscribed pressure of the pen. The crowning achievement of Doolin's collection is the late long piece Museum, a prose poem broken in six sections. The piece is a memorial narrative for an apparent one-time lover and subsequent friend, Aaron James Staffel, a recovering addict who died by suicide. The night we met, the poem goes, you burned through my atmosphere. The whole is an effective assemblage of keen vignettes, internal monologue, and emotional memorabilia. Aaron is described in detail, his haunted speech, his tattoos, a trip with the speaker to a museum in which, quote, we wandered loosely through those high white rooms together, silent except for a nod or nudge toward whatever you thought I'd love, and you were always right. I found myself strangely moved by the metacognitive moments such as the following from section two, in which Doolin admits, It's been hard to revise because even the most callous of readers didn't want to critique it, 
perhaps always a problem with elegiac forms. Who wants to give notes on someone else's grief? That, and trying to make art from grief, which always makes the grief seem insincere, or at least aestheticized, which, of course, we associate with insincerity. Style is for people who can handle their emotions. No one is ever stylishly hysterical. For example, I'm always most impressed by actors who ugly cry, their faces revealing in my mind a certain authenticity. Doolin purports to control the audience's perception of her motives, but most of all it seems to me that these intellectual interludes allow Doolin to momentarily look away from her grief, to be relieved by the white space between images drawn from her lost friend's life, to pace her grief, as one might plan their navigation, for instance, of the overwhelming Richelieu and Denon wings of the Louvre. One must, from time to time, find a bench. One must look away. Why do we need this poetry now? Danielle Kadina Doolin's Desire Museum is forthright and far-ranging. America has always had an unhealthy relationship with substances, alcohol foremost, and a vague disregard for the importance of mental health. In the age of fentanyl and xylazine, and the deep despair they mask, it's important that we have clear-eyed poets like Doolin who can model harrowing reflection. Yes, one can descend into personal history and obsession, and successfully resurface. That's it for this episode of Verse Curious. Much gratitude to Dever Sedell for our theme music, with production assistance from Ryan Miller. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts at the bottom of the page and help others discover Verse Curious through the magic of the algorithm. Also, please subscribe, share, and consider donating via the button on the Verse Curious Red Circle homepage with my thanks in advance. See you next time.